1: Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've
0: changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now?
1: Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th. Hello, and welcome to episode 127 of... Padaroni. And on this episode, I'm talking to Mary O'Connell, a comedian based in London. In the meantime, if you've been uh, worrying about my foot, I've been trying to exercise my foot. I've got plantar fasciitis, if you don't know. So I've been going out to the beach, which is within my five kilometre radius during this six week lockdown that we have here in Ireland where you can't leave uh uh five kilometers unless you have a necessary journey to do which i don't know what that is but going to the beach probably isn't one of them but there is a beach within five kilometers of my residence so that's pretty good so i'm going there and walking barefoot to try and sort out my bloody foot give it a bit of exercise actually actually ran twice as well about four kilometers on the beach Actually, my foot, I think, is slightly sore. Maybe I'm overdoing it, but it's my foot. I'm so annoyed because it's just my foot. Just work foot. Just do what a foot is meant to do. Let me walk and run without any pain or whatever. Just do it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But on the other hand, I have to, have to work on it. And I've also got toe separators. Yeah, you just put them on your toes and they go down in between the toes and push them apart because I think part of my problem is that my little toe is squashed up behind the toe beside it because of years of wearing shoes that uh, perhaps are a little bit too tight because of course that's my right foot and both of my feet are different sizes so my right foot is always getting a little bit squashed as opposed to my left foot. Anyway, enough about my feet. I've been uh, listening and watching, because um, uh, uh, I can multitask, to a lot of horror movies. When I say a lot, I mean three. One a night, since Sunday night. And uh, the first one I watched was uh, Nightbreed. Nightbreed, directed by Clive Barker, who directed Hellraiser. has written a lot of horror books. I believe I haven't read them, but... Uh, I'm going to watch Hellraiser tonight, and I believe that's a good film. But Nightbreed, I thought it wasn't that good. It was a bit ridiculous, to be quite honest. Um, uh, Yeah, just uh, just a lot of... It just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and David Cronenberg played a character, and uh, I just thought he was awful. The acting was awful. Um, so I, 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 then I went on uh, next night to uh, watch... Um, motel hell now this is a real b movie comedy horror which you know you kind of think oh could be rubbish but it's good it's quite good and it's not really you know you say motel hell and it's all based on motel and is it like psycho and all that it's more like a farming horror movie this involves farming and um yeah it's quite odd in that sense i've never seen a f- farming horror movie and very few farming movies in general so uh it is good and there's a little bit of the old uh, texas chainsaw massacre vibe going on as well a bit of a chainsaw fight towards the end at the end there's a, a really good chainsaw fight i mean what could be better than a chainsaw fight as a young man actually working uh, in a riding school I nearly had my base cut with a chainsaw. I was holding the wood while the other chap was cutting it with a chainsaw. And uh if you've ever used a chainsaw, you know that when you go to cut, if you don't hold the chainsaw quite well, it can bounce off the wood. And it bounced off the wood and landed on my shoulder. Just missed my face by inches. And cut through... Three layers of clothing, but luckily I was wearing three layers. It uh, didn't cut me, but I was a lucky man. I could be a very scarred-looking dude uh, if if uh, it had gone a little closer. So that uh, is quite a good film, Motel Hell. Check it out. And the third film I watched was last night. I watched The Conjuring. Right, that's quite a popular film. I'm sure a lot lots of you have seen that. And it was, I I believe. It was the best of the three. A yeah, very good film. But Motel Hell has something about it. I would advise you to watch it. Tonight I think I'll watch Hellraiser. Yeah, So I'm going for horror movies all week because it's Halloween. And what else can you do? You can't go out and have a party. You can't get dressed up. You can't get dressed up. But you can just walk around um, socially distanced from people. Uh, or sit around in your house. Well, I might do that. But um, watching horror movies is the thing to do, isn't it? Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I've been watching. I've been reading Dickens. I've been started to read Bleak House by Charles Dickens. So because I go to the beach, uh, do my run, and then I come back, have a bath, and read two chapters of Bleak House. Bleak House. What am I thinking? It's nine hundred pages, but I've been putting this off for years, and I'm going to do it. I'll keep it updated. I'm. Uh, what am I? Th- Six chapters in now. 100 pages. Only 800 to go. I'll be fine. And it's good. I like the book. It's quite good. I mean, it's Dickens. So you have this girl who's so humble. Poor me. Oh, I... Oh, why should I... Uh, why should I deserve anything in life? I'm just a poor, humble... Humble, old, stupid little lady. There's a bit of that going on, but... Um, uh, it's quite funny. Uh, so uh, quite funny and quite serious as well because it uh, goes to show the injustices of the time where uh, children were lit- literally dying from starvation while others were, um, well, they were preaching the preaching to them and then reading from the Bible to poor people who could do with some food. And then the justice system was uh, corrupt as well. Ah, well, there you go. That's uh, Dickens for you. Right, well, here we go. Now, as you know, the uh, the, the um, uh, podcast that you listen to, Potter Rooney, is on the Headstuff network of podcasts. And there are many other good podcasts on this same network. And here's one of them.
0: What is Dubland? We have to explain what Dubland is. The Dubland podcast is an eternally pregnant woman um, I mean, I've been pregnant three times. Yeah, but you've been pregnant since I met you. Right, okay. Hanging out with a neurotic middle-aged toddler mm-hmm. and the way that those two people from very opposing sides of the... Um, World, see the see the world around them. Is that it? I Is think that a good it. explanation? Of that's it? a very good explanation. Uh, you can listen on Spotify. You can listen on iTunes. You can listen on the Headstuff Podcast Network. We're on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Dub
1: your Dublin podcast. up your ear holes. There you go. So now let's have a listen to Mary O'Connell. Are you in London?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm at home um, in North London. I live with my family, so yeah. So lockdown's been all right, like, because we like there's enough of us to keep things interesting, um, and we all like are like lucky enough to have our own space. So, so that's been okay.
1: <laughs> have you been doing any writing or? yeah
0: I've tried to do to do some writing just because I you know haven't been able to perform right now so so yeah me and me and my friend and it's just sort of redrafted this pilot that we were writing um and I've done some other stuff so so yeah no it's been all right it's been not as fruitful as I'd like um creatively but I don't know it took me a while to like Get over the pandemic writers' block.
1: Yeah, it's really weird, actually. For me, I had a short burst of creativity at the beginning, and I was thinking, "This is great." And yeah, then
0: I, yeah. And
1: then I hit a kind of a wall. I went, "Oh shit!" It was kind of doldrums for a while, and then luckily this other web series came along, and I got to do something again. But it's kind of up and down, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really,
1: it's really kind of weird. So, do uh, so you grew up in London? Yeah. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. and and were, were you, you've got a very Irish
0: name, Mary O'Connell. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, it's just from my dad's side. Like, um, they had—I'm pretty sure his family um, moved, like, came to England, like, literally, like, in 1900 or something like that. They just had a long line of sons, so we're not really super Irish, like a bit, but like not really.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the most Irish name. I know. I
0: know. It's
1: like called Paddy Murphy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, and were you into uh, comedy at an early age?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I well, I I did like a few gigs when I was seventeen as like a school project, um, and it's the only thing I got an A star in. So that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. You did stand up as a school project. Yeah. Yeah um it was it was the sort of summer in between like as level and a um a2 like you know like first and second year of your a levels um and basically it was this thing called an epq or extended project and you could you could just sort of like pick something to do like whatever you wanted and um you know show that you'd like worked hard at it and um you'd get graded and given UCAS points for it. And I really needed UCAS points. Um and so and also I'd always wanted to do stand up.
1: So where did you perform the stand up?
0: I performed it at so this so I sort of like I did my research, I like scouted out gigs. Um and I um there was this sort of independent bookshop. Sorry, I'm just very conscious of my hair. <laughs> um
1: you want a moment?
0: <laughs> it's, not, it's just, oh, I don't know, man. It's a hot day. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying my best. Um, oh, look great. It looks Your hair looks amazing. Oh, thanks. Um, so there was, this, there was this independent bookshop um, not too far away from me, and they did, like, events. Um, and so I'd been to see a comedy night at, um, at that place one time. And, and I sort of knew the owners, like, so I was like friendly with them. And so, and they had like an open spot. So it was sort of like a, it was like a paid gig for like, I wouldn't say like semi-pro people, but just like people like on, on their way up. Yeah. Um, and, but they had like an open spot for like an amateur person, like each time. And so I was like, oh, can I do the next open spot? And they're like, yeah, sure. Um, and I did it and it went well. Um, and so I did like a few more gigs. And, and yeah, like I kept like a sort of little log of my experiences and, and I like recorded, um, I recorded the set probably like three times or something. Yeah.
1: yeah and, and so did you, uh, did you continue from that moment or did you take a break then from it?
0: I took a long break because I just, um, I don't know. I liked it, but I wasn't super like obsessed with it. You know how like people, I feel like when people start, they get obsessed with this. Like, I've got to keep gigging, got to gig. And I was like, oh, I've got exams. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in the mood. Um, and, and so I, I just sort of like gave it a rest until maybe I was like 19. And I was at uni, maybe like the end of my first year. And I joined the like comedy um, society at uni. And, and yeah, like I went to a few of the, cause they because they, they the, quite good I went to York and so they have quite an active comedy society they take shows up to Edinburgh they have like an improv group and stuff and they did like stand-up workshops sketch writing and improv and so I started going to the stand-up ones you know like remembering that I liked performing again and then I'd perform at a few of the shows but again I didn't really do stand-up when I came back to London I sort of like I was like oh this is, I'm like my students stand-up it's. I think. I don't know. I'm not sure what my what I thought the London scene was like because I only saw like a little bit of it. But I, you know, you know that student audiences are way friendlier. Like it's just mm. it's just given. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the for the big boys yet.
1: And do you think it was uh, it was a good idea? I think it was probably a good idea maybe, to start outside of London.
0: Um, I think I don't think it matters that much either way. Um, I think it's good to start in a place. Where there's just a lot of gigs to do, um, mm-hmm. because the problem with performing to the Comedy Society is that they were only like you know it wasn't like the most popular thing, and so you have an audience of like the same twenty people like all the time, and so eventually they're gonna um, they're gonna have seen your jokes at least twice unless you're just writing them really fast um so so it's good to be able to branch out
1: so yeah so a lot of comedians i think find it some people find it quicker other people find it slower to find you know what their style is or what their voice is and Mm -hmm. did you think it took you a while or did you know straight off this is this is who i am on stage
0: um, I think I'm still figuring it out, um, and I think it's something that will probably change as I get older, as I have, like, different experiences. Yeah, I feel like my style has changed quite a lot. I flip between, um, I guess, I don't know, kind of, like, energetic and friendly, and then, like, super, super deadpan. Like, super, like, I'm too cool to be here. Like, why are you looking at me? Like, you know, like, so, yeah, I think... You,
1: you're still experimenting and... Yeah, and I like the way you say, I've only seen a few clips, but I mean, there's one Mm. you say you can get away with. I can say anything because I'm a brown woman.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, God, when did I say that? I feel like that must be really old. Um, That
1: Uh, might have been a chortle gig, I'm not sure.
0: Gosh, that could be like 2016, maybe 2017.
1: Oh, is it? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I love that idea, that,
0: yeah,
1: you know, you can't yeah. criticize me, I'm a brown woman.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was funny to say, I guess.
1: Um. Yeah, yeah, no, So And so you, you've you done uh, Edinburgh, but I can't figure out whether you did, um, did you do a theatre play or was it stand-up?
0: Um, so or- I've actually done both. Um, okay. The first time I went to Edinburgh, I was in a play. Um, called Hearts of Folk. It was like it was like a farce about this folk band, um, and that was in I feel like that was in 2015. Um, oh. Yeah, and that was that was cool because I basically um, through doing the Comedy Society stuff at York, um, I made some friends with some people, and they were like, "Oh, we've written this play. We think we, you should audition for it." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll audition." And I got the part, and they were like taking it up to Edinburgh. So that was my first experience of the fringe, which was actually really nice because when you're in a play, you've got like you're in like a team. Because um, I find the fringe to be like really lonely when I've done stand-up, um, mm. and at least when you're in a play, it's like oh, you, we just hang out after the show. Um,
1: yeah, but, um, yeah, and also, uh, well, I've done a play once there, but at least you mm-hmm. you rehearse the play. And you're doing the play, whereas I think when I'm doing stand-up there, I feel, oh, no, that didn't work. I should work on that. I should change that. But at least if you're doing a play, you're going, well, this is the play.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Take it or leave it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so what And what was – there was hard to – I think I see something called Barely There. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was um, me and Patrick Healy's um, two-hander stand-up show that we did at the Fringe last year. Um, um, mm. Yeah, that was uh, that was really fun, and it was my first time doing like anything longer than like 10, 15 minutes at the Fringe. And to be fair, like you know, when you're like performing on the circuit, it's not really that often that you're doing like. 20 minutes, um, and like above if you're not like a headliner. Um, so just having kind of like 25 to half an hour between us. Um, well, you know, like each, um, it was like a big step. And so I was like worried about it at first cause, um, firstly I'm not that good at memorizing all my material. I still like, I have like notes cause it's, I need to write a little bit more, Structurally, everything's a bit random, um, and so I'm like, "Well, this doesn't connect to this, and it's never going to." But that's the order I'm saying them in. But I think mm-hmm. for the future, I need to write a little bit more with structure in mind.
1: All right do um, do you do you, uh, uh, do you have a set that you definitely know you're going to do, or do you, do you meander off a bit, let yourself, um, or something? I like- guess-
0: I think I had like the foundations of the set, and that's the one that I usually did. But then there'd be like funny stuff that would happen at the fringe. Like there was a point, so me and Patrick, like we're not the best flyers in the world, <laughs> um, and we had to. We're well, like we flyed our own show. We're like we're pretty poor. Like we're not going to pay flyers, so we just like uh we flyed it ourselves, and we'd always sort of give up like half an hour before the show and it's like oh you know what what happens happens and there was a point where we were both like lying on the floor um in the sort of like on the fields I can't remember what they call it it's like the sort of field park thing yes the meadows that's it yeah of course the meadows um and we were lying on the floor on the path there and I was just sort of like waving a flyer around in my hand Um, and then Stuart Lee walked by, um, and he like leaned in, like looked at my flyer and then like walked away. Um, and I just thought, (laughs) I thought that was quite funny. And so like I said it in the show, um, and just like other stuff like that happened. Um, so you like, you incorporate like your experiences, but for the most part, it was like the same set.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. It's such a long journey in a way that the, the fringe it's, it's, you know, like, yeah, it's full of ups and downs and...
0: Yeah yeah. <laughs> Where did you do your play? What venue were you in? Well, I did I was in a I was in a
1: theater version of The Shawshank Redemption in,
0: Oh wow.
1: Yeah, I think that was 7 years ago now, but it was uh up on Georgia Street. It's quite a big venue. Mhm. But it was so uh, I was actually getting a wage. Yeah. So to a certain extent I'm going like I don't care what happens on I mean, you, I'm getting paid. <laughs> as it happened, as it happens, we were getting good crowds and we got good reviews. Yeah. But but that was great. I brought my kids. I think my daughter was about twelve <laughs> and she came for the whole run and we went to see a show every day and it really blew her mind. Like it just opened her mind up to the fact that people actually take the arts seriously. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, like, you're going to see more shows than you'll see in the entire year. In, In like, three years, you're going to see more shows than you would ever see. And, um, I mean, obviously, but, yeah, I, I mean, I've done, how many episodes have I done? I feel like I've done, like, four. Um, I did play two stand-up compilations. Yeah, yeah, I've done four, but, like, three in a bit, because the one time I just went up for the week. Um, and I do love the fringe, but like, it's, I don't know, it's going to implode on itself. Um, if they don't make it a bit more accessible, um, and you know, you shouldn't have to like have a trust fund in order to put on a show and stuff like that. It's cause I've always done like free fringe. I like, I'm a big supporter of free fringe, but the free fringe venues are, um, like there's just less and less of them now which is which is a real shame
1: uh i agree with you it shouldn't break the bank to do edinburgh and
0: um, yeah that's,
1: yeah it's gonna implode and especially with with the fact that uh social media people can break big on social media without going near
0: yeah edinburgh French, so. yeah, yeah, yeah that's the other thing like you don't necessarily need it um and like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comedians who have come up through using social media who never, they won't have to do the fringe. They won't have to, you know, share a bed with 10 other comedians. Um, and, you know, eat pot noodle and, and deep fried pizza for a month. So, so yeah, it's, uh, there's arguments for not going for sure. Yeah.
1: I remember like when I did it even like a long time mm. ago, not, uh, 17, 18 years ago, like the, the, um, the act on after us were like all i just knew they were all rich kids and Mm. they had they had like sound and lights and everything yeah and uh and you know it's kind of it's kind of shit when you when coming from a privileged background means you've got a better chance you know
0: yeah yeah that's like that's how it's been for like always almost always because like you know, it was supposed to be like on the fringes of the international arts festival because that was like the the original thing. And now the fringe is kind of the same, um, in the way that it's a little bit, I don't know, artsy fartsy in a way and like not super accessible to everyone. Um, but I still, I still love it. And I'm like, you know, it's a shame that I'm not there this summer because I was probably going to do like another two-hander show.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a big believer in the universal wage, and that everybody should get a thousand pounds a month, no matter yeah. who they are or what they are. And then you can mm-hmm. live on that if you want, and and, yeah. and follow your dreams. <laughs> <As a laughs> then that'd be good. Yeah, and if you don't want to live on that, you can go and get a job and still get it. Um. So uh, that's my opinion. Bit of a socialist, I suppose. But um. So mm-hmm. have you have you um. Would you say that you uh, talk about race uh, a, a bit in your sex or would that be an issue? A thing you would do?
0: I I talk about it a bit. Um, well, a whole bunch. I feel like I feel like some of my funniest jokes definitely involve race. Um, yeah. But I feel like there's usually an element of like whimsy. Is whimsy the word? I've started to like um, my sort of uh, later stuff is just a bit more surreal. Um, just a bit absurd Um, and so and like race definitely comes into that but it's not something I don't really write a joke if it's not like natural or if I don't find it funny like you know I could write a joke about racism or something but like I'm like is it funny does this feel like true to me Um, because usually um, apart from like during lockdown I don't really try to write jokes it's just sort of like something happens I see something I'm like oh that's a bit weird I write it down eventually like a joke happens um but like in lockdown I've had to try (laughs) to write jokes because I'm not like going out in the world and like experiencing my life in the same way as before so I've had to put in a bit more effort which is you know which I don't mind doing because it's good it's a good thing to do um but
1: but would you would you uh say that would a joke come from a frustration or anger at something? And then you try and make it funny.
0: Um, yeah, I, um, I feel like I spend most of my time being annoyed. Um, and so that's usually, that's usually where my jokes come from. And it's just like, it's usually like a frustration, um, or seeing something, which is a little bit of a hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like I don't like that. Um, so so yeah, I guess turning it into a joke is a good way to deal with it. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you see things?
1: Are you mainly well? Obviously, we're not gigging now, but is it is it mainly in London or are you going all over?
0: And um, yeah, mainly in London. Like I will do like Brighton every now and again because um, like um, comedian Brighton's really nice. Um, mm and i've gigged like i've gigged in manchester before and when i was like in york i would gig in york and leeds um, but yeah mostly mostly london but i am like conscious that i don't want to become like too london centric um because if all your jokes are about the tube like there's only yes. you know like <laughs> you know a number of people that that can that can relate to that and that's not what i want to do
1: yeah Oh, that's a big danger. I mean, I've seen years ago, uh, London acts coming over to Ireland talking about the tube and we, we don't even have an underground in all of Ireland. So Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but I do like, I do feel very London. Um, I, I feel like my style is like cool, I guess. And I um, just as a person, I feel like I'm quite london um, there's just like certain things that I do, um, that you just like, don't do in other places. Like, I know you can, if you look at, it's odd, but like, if you look at how other cities like do clubbing, like, you know, like in Newcastle, like girls wear like heels and dresses and stuff. And like, and you know, we have that here as well, but like in London, like where I, me and my friends, like you wear your jacket inside the club. That's like, <laughs> that's like a thing. Um, like you know you go out with a jacket and it's like the most because other people maybe other places it's like the outfit the dress is like the the statement piece of of the outfit but like in London it's like it's your coat <laughs> which I think <laughs> I I this is my group of friends <laughs> um, but but yeah that's um, that's something that I see
1: and uh, have you done any uh, like s- sketch type or character type comedy is that is that
0: something that interests you? Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in sketch. I did a little bit of sketch when I was at uni, um, and I've always wanted to do characters. I wrote like two characters, which I thought would be funny, but I just, I'm not very good at like staying. I'm not very good off the cuff um, in terms of like when I when I do stand up. Like almost all of it is like pre-written like exactly how I'm going to say it not all the time and I like I try to like loosen up um as I've gotten more comfortable on stage and I think that I will probably be able to be a bit looser later on but I'm not very good without some kind of script and so I feel like a character you have to just like be the character you've got to know how like that character would react to stuff and so Mm -hmm. that scares me I think but I have written, like, a couple characters that I don't think I'll ever do, but maybe I'll give them to someone else.
1: <laughs> yeah. I oh, know. That, that is the scary thing about doing a, a character live is that Ooh. you've got to stay in that character so you can't come out of that character and go, no, I didn't mean that. I, I was being sarcastic." Yes. <laughs> you've got to stay in that character. So it is it is very scary doing it. I think you've got to... Be prepared to uh, stick with it, even if you're dying on your arse. Which is very <laughs> hard to do. <laughs> very hard to do. So, uh, so do you think there's a good scene at the minute? I, I've been interviewing a lot of you, you know, your contemporaries, and there seems to be definitely a really good scene, but all, all sorts of different kinds of acts as well, and from all sorts yeah. of backgrounds. It's definitely uh, changed from when I was starting out.
0: Yeah, I think I think alternative comedy is having a real moment right now. Um well like you no know, pre lockdown. Um there's I think a lot more people are running their own nights. Like I really like doing sort of alternative nights like the LOL Word, which is like a it's like a queer night for you know, like um where the lineup is like um queer and uh, non binary people like um mm-hmm. and um Fuck It Up which is a Fans of Color comedy club, Wacky Racists, which is another sort of more alternative comedy night like I think those are really like it's just it brings a new type of audience into comedy um audiences like you know like slightly woker slightly younger and they're less they're not leery like the clubs are um because I mean I you know I don't mind a comedy club and I don't mind like an audience that is like a bit excitable but if that's like every Saturday night like you know people too drunk to perform to it's not like but i mean it depends on the club and it depends on the act i guess but if you want to do stuff that's a little bit more experimental um yeah. and that takes a little bit more time and attention then then yeah like you definitely want to do like a slightly more alternative comedy night
1: absolutely it sounds brilliant because because you cannot develop as an act if you're just doing the clubs with yeah. the drunken audience
0: yeah yeah um,
1: And uh, it went that way completely and I don't think it started that way in the whenever alternative comedy started. (laughs) It seems like a long time ago now, but it definitely wasn't like that and then it became this kind of bear pit type thing where you have to survive rather than develop your act. So...
0: I mean, I don't know, I don't understand the popularity of gong shows. Um, It's just sort of like... I don't know the extreme base instincts of humanity. That's what I think a Gong show is—just like wanting to see someone fail um, as entertainment. It's—it's <laughs> it's not like—it's um, not something I'm a big fan of. No, um,
1: it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I was talking to Erin Tet about this. She said, "Oh a- yeah." She said she did a Gong show and uh, she was booed off before she got to the mic stand because they didn't like the look of her.
0: That's ridiculous. Like it's it's so it's so upset. And I, I know Erin. I think she's a great performer. And but but I know that like her style of comedy is just like not the type to necessarily be appreciated at Gong show. And I don't mean like that offensively. I just feel like. Um,
1: Oh, I know what you mean I love her stuff it's amazing but
0: yeah, yeah. She,
1: it, it, it requires the audience to invest in it you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely
1: but uh, no it's really good to see that that scene is burgeoning in it um, well listen it was really nice chatting to you Mary
0: lovely to talk to you too
1: and, uh, hopefully I'll see you sometime live on stage
0: um... <laughs> yeah that'd be lovely <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay enjoy the rest of the day Mary bye bye O'Connell there and next week I'll be talking to Julia Masley also if you go on Switchbox TV Switchbox TV on YouTube you'll find my interview with Australian based Irish comedian Jim Owen he's hilarious have a look at that in the meantime happy Halloween and goodbye goodbye When Big Mobile charges you an arm and a leg, they're taking your money and your power. And your arm and leg. Boost Mobile gives your power back with an unlimited plan for $25 a month on one of America's largest 5G networks. We can't give you back your arm and your leg because we're not qualified surgeons. Unless you're an iguana who can... Grow limbs back. Switch to Boost and get an unlimited plan for $25 a month. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. New customers only. One line, $25 per month with auto pay. Additional restrictions apply. See BoostMobile.com for details.